Welcome to the Paul Series Podcast, where we dive deeper into the content from Sunday's message. Hey guys, we just got finished recording, looking a little longer today, but hopefully it's helpful. Don't worry, we're getting to Kanye. Let's jump in. What's up, what's up, what's up? We're back. <laughs> Aaron, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Well, everybody, welcome to the Northridge Podcast. We are on week four of Paul. It's been a great series, and my man, Aaron Hickson, crushed it this weekend. If you didn't Aww. get a chance to to hear it, man, Thanks. I would tell you to go online and listen to it. Great message, Aaron, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to jump in as well. Thanks for giving me a chance to uh, to speak. And for all the people out there who are so tired of hearing me lately, you have you have a relief coming. I'm not <laughs> going again until 2020 sometime. So take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Drew's, Drew's on the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it'll be fun. This has been a great series. I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot. God stretched me a lot. And so, you know, in your message, Aaron, you said, hey, I would love to talk a little bit more about Priscilla and Aquila. And so great news. Here's some space. Kind of give us some more insight into that. Yeah. So Priscilla and Aquila, in the that was a point in the message where we were talking through um, how Paul never was learning alone. He was always influencing other people and even in, in their case, Priscilla and Aquila, he was influencing them while they were just at work. So right. they're they're doing the tent making business in Corinth. And the the cool story that I wanted to talk through in terms of backstory is Paul's traveling around on this missionary journey. He meets this couple in Corinth. They weren't from originally from Corinth. They were from elsewhere. They had placed their faith in Christ. Um and there, there's all kinds of church history about where they were before and where they went afterwards, some of which we're not sure about in terms of speculation, but there is some recorded in the book of Acts as to what they did. So anyway, he meets them in Corinth. They're, they work so well together. Paul leaves Corinth after a long time and goes to Ephesus and he brings them with him um, because they were you know, so effective with him. And so he drops them off in Ephesus, they're doing their thing, and then Paul eventually leaves Ephesus, and he asks Priscilla and Aquila to stay there. So they stay in Ephesus, they've now moved multiple times on mission, and while they're there, this this all kind of happens in Acts 18, they come across a guy named Apollos. And this was the story that I mentioned briefly that I think has some really cool um, aspects to it. This guy, his name is Apollos. He was from Alexandria originally, so he was from Africa. He had heard of Jesus. In fact, he's described as... Um, let me pull up Acts 18. Um, he was a native of Alexandria and it describes him as a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So this was a smart guy who knew what he was talking about. And he also, it says he had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. So here's a guy, he's a great leader. He's a great speaker. He's making a difference. He's not from this area, um, but he was really, you know, making an impact. But then the next part of the verse says, though he only knew of the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So here he is. He's sort of got like the whole picture, except for this one aspect of the fact that um, John was, this is referring to John the Baptist, who was the guy who prepared the way for Jesus. And so his baptism was a baptism of repentance. And uh, he had called people to uh, repent of their sins for the kingdom of God was at hand. In other words, there was somebody who was coming. Jesus was on the way. And so Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, lots of people were in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. But then once Jesus comes, John the Baptist kind of like, hey, I must decrease and he must increase. He backs out of the way. But John's baptism had spread so much that apparently Apollos 
being a guy who knew a lot, had heard of that baptism, adopted it, and was continuing to baptize in John's name um, and according to the tradition of John. Not good. Yeah, that's it's not good. It's it's not like it's ultimately not heretical. He was just doing the best that he could with what he had been given, and apparently God was using him in a big way. But this is a transitionary time. Okay, things were not set in stone. There wasn't like a way, like a website that you could go to that was saying like, here's what all Christians should believe or something. So he was doing his best. And but then in in Acts 18, what it says is. Um, in verse 26, it says, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So I just think that's so awesome on so, so many levels. Oh, yeah, Priscilla so. and Aquila, they hear him. They don't freak out. They don't call him out. They call, they bring him back into their home in the privacy. There's so many lessons we could learn, but like these are leaders who get it. They're like, this is a guy with potential. We don't want to like completely derail him or make him lose credibility, but we're just going to pull him into the privacy of our home and explain the way of God more accurately. Mm-hmm. And we read about in um, in the next chapter in Acts 19, talking about the difference between these baptisms. Paul is back in Ephesus and he talks to the believers there and he says, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's asking them like, when you place your faith in Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They're like, no, we don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul says, well, well, then who were you baptized into? And they say, well, into John's baptism. So here we see this influence of potentially Apollos and others who had been teaching about Jesus, but not about Jesus, the baptism in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come. And that's Jesus. And on hearing this, the, the people in Ephesus, this is Acts 19 verse 5. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Mm. So here we have kind of like this correction of wrong teaching, uh, well-meaning wrong teaching. But I think it's interesting we can go all into the baptisms and why the Holy Spirit did or didn't come. And we don't have many examples of the Holy Spirit not coming right away into someone, a believer's life. It's kind of this weird period in Acts where not everything was quite as clean. But I think the coolest part of this story is that this correction of Apollos happens while Paul is nowhere near Priscilla and Aquila or Apollos. He's gone. He's at this point, he's in Jerusalem and Antioch and Priscilla and Aquila are now having been trained by Paul while making tents are now having this impact on a guy named Apollos who ends up being this massive leader. If you read again, church history, there's all kinds of speculation as to what he went on to do. He was a very skilled orator, an amazing teacher. And he, um, some people actually attribute the, the letter to the Hebrews to Apollos. He's mm. one of the people that speculated because it's so dense and so theological and so rooted in someone's understanding of scriptures. That's one of the reasons that he sometimes is attributed. And it's so incredibly well-crafted and he was such a good orator. There's a few different reasons. Martin Luther was one of the first to propose potentially that he was one of those, uh, one of the author of Hebrews. So anyway, he had this really big impact all through Priscilla and Aquila which is one layer removed from, you know, the original right. guy, Paul. So I just right. think that, that that leadership multiplication is a cool story. So let me ask you a couple questions. And sorry, dude, I was just listening to you talk and some questions kind of popped into my head. One, yeah, let's go back to <laughs> Priscilla and Aquila. Um, sorry, we didn't plan this. Guys, we have a generic outline, but this, again, this is a conversation that we have because this is how we should talk about the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of questions and having conversations is very helpful. Mm. And so uh, Pr- Priscilla and Aquila... They find this guy teaching 
I, you know, a little bit maybe of heresy, baptizing people in John instead of Jesus. Just, just a little bit of heresy. <laughs> confusion, really, is mm-hmm. what it was. They weren't trying to do the wrong thing. They were trying to do the right thing, and that, that was what their example was. Mm. So they invite this person in their home, okay? I, two questions. One, when Christians today hear of something like that, what do you think is their normal reaction, and how is it different from Priscilla and Aquila's actions? Yeah, Oh, man. I think that we are known probably right now in Christianity for being pretty good at call-out culture. You know, we're always, if somebody says something wrong, there's a soundbite that you can pull out of context. I mean, Christians are all about grabbing that clip, posting it on Twitter, and just going on a rant about, this is what's wrong with this guy, or this speaker, or this woman, or this book, or this whatever. And we can kind of go off. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of things potentially wrong with that, not the least of which is, why so public? Like, why must we be so public with the criticisms, especially with people that we don't know? So why do we have to be public? And then second of all, do we have any grace to potentially take a step back and say, like... Maybe I don't know this person, or maybe I don't know the context that they were speaking in, or maybe I don't know what they really meant by this. Like, could I do a little bit of digging to see if Mm. this clip means what it sounds like it means? Because that's, we all know that's really easy to do is pull somebody out of context. So I'm not saying that Christians shouldn't stand for truth, but it does seem like their modeling is really good. One, this is something that they saw and heard in person. This is someone whose motives they chose to believe the best about. And that was pretty easy to do with a guy like Apollos, who was so gifted in speaking. Clearly God was using him. So they saw, wow, great heart, great intentions, and a lot of great content, but like he has a missing piece of information. Mm. So we're going to, we saw all this in person. We're going to pull him aside into the privacy of our home and see if we can explain things more thoroughly. And they gave, they gave him the benefit of the doubt in one sense, but then they also gave him the benefit of being able to like correct himself. Like, oh, wow. Oh, goodness, there's another baptism? Like, of course. And we know he goes on and does things right from then on. So they give him a chance to get it right without jumping immediately to condemnation and you're done and we can't listen to you and Mm. everyone, you know, cancel him. Don't don't invite him to any more conferences. Like he's worse. Right. I think it's incredible that they found a guy, a heretic, and they invited him in their home. Like mm-hmm. that that's the opposite of what we do today. Like we we post on social media about them. We post videos and say, this guy's crazy. Can you imagine finding someone and inviting them to their home? And I love that because one, it shows love, it shows grace. But also when you have a conversation with somebody, it's amazing when you see their motives. His motives were actually correct. Mm. He was missing that piece interesting enough. Apollos is just like Paul. Because, yeah. I mean, we talked about this in, I think, week one was, man, you can have all the passion for God, but without the right knowledge of God, you can go down, you can lead people down the wrong path. And I think it's, again, a good reminder for us as Christians is, one, we got to have this balance of passion and knowledge, but also when we find somebody not, not doing the right things, like, man, when's the last time you invited an enemy or a heretic into your home to have a conversation. That's huge for me. I don't do that. And I know a lot of Christians, we would just rather point our finger, call them out, than say, hey, let me have a conversation with you. But I think that's Paul's influence. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Paul's influence on Priscilla and Aquila, okay? So you talked about in your message, never learn alone. That's where Priscilla and Aquila totally came up because Paul invested in them. And so I'm curious, you talked about never learning alone. How do you do that personally? Like, how do you invite people into your life? How do you invite people to learn from you, to learn with you? What does that look like? 
That's a, that's a good question. And I don't want to be the kind of person who says something like that and then doesn't do it myself. Um, I think this can look a lot of different ways. And so my answer is not going to be very spiritual because I think one of the things I was trying to make clear in the message that I don't, I don't know if it did come across this way is it's not just about learning um, spiritual things. Don't learn those alone. I, I think we're best not learning anything alone, whatever we're learning about. Um, if we're progressing as individuals, I think it's just best that we do that with other people. And especially, okay, so for me, I'm a verbal processor. Not a surprise. You wow. can tell that. We, we found that out in the first five minutes of the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so yeah, I'm a verbal processor, which means anything I'm learning I'm kind of forcing other people to learn along with me because I'm just going to, it's not, it's not, I'm not really learning it until I'm talking about it. Even when they don't want to learn with you, correct? That's very true. <laughs> Poor Lauren. Uh, she, she quote, yeah. learns along with me quite a bit. <laughs> Poor Lauren is accurate. Lauren, we, I know you listen and we are praying for you. Um, so whatever it is, I'm just going to use woodworking as a silly illustration. I just feel like it's, it's really only been in the last year that woodworking or building at all has been an interest to me a, about a year, a year and a half. And so I think about like when I first met you, Drew, I knew nothing about woodworking or building and I would be like, okay, a table, like, cool. I don't, this is just like this great mystery. I don't Are know. you mocking my table? No, no. I'm saying like, I don't, I didn't know anything about it. You oh, okay. drew as a table in his office. And I just remember the first time being like, oh my goodness, he built a table. And like, it just seemed like wizardry and magic. And it is, I mean, it's, it's, it's magic. And I, I have other friends, you know, that are either in the trades or family that are in the trades or um, just, you know, friends that are handy. And I've over the years, you know, you have the people, those people that you call like, hey, this broke. I need help with it. Whatever. Can you help me repair this? And as they've learned or I've watched them, you know, fix my house or whatever, I've begun to learn those things. And now as I'm getting into the journey and being more interested in it, as I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to I'm building shelves in my basement. I'm calling friends and being like, hey do you think I should do it this way? Or I did it this way. What do you think? Or I remember you built these shelves. Can you send me photos? Cause I want to do, I want to cut those rabbits and half laps the way you did Seriously. it or whatever. So I'm, as I'm learning woodworking, I'm just constantly reaching out and asking or recommending, mm -hmm. or I had a, we had friends over the other day and I'm kind of getting my wood shop set up and he and I were just like walking around and he's like, what's this saw and how does this work? And mm -hmm. what would you use this for? And I'm having, I'm verbal processing like, oh, well, you can use a router table this way. And that's just, he's picking up some tips. It's helpful to me because having to say it out loud, teaching other people, I'm learning it better. So whatever, these are just things in my life that I'm, I'm learning woodworking and I'm trying to do it alongside people, people who are further ahead than me and not quite as far yeah. as I am. And for instance, I've been reading ton about, um, racism and the role of race in America over the last 18 months as well. I don't know why that lines up with my woodworking interest as well, but it it's does. close. <laughs> Such similar topics. I mean, there's a tie there somewhere. <laughs> but um, anyway, I've been reading a ton about that and I've just found myself like randomly, I found out my cousin has been on like the same journey. So mm -hmm. I called her the other day and we talked on the phone and we've been sharing book recommendations and every book I read, I'm saying like, Hey, have you read this one? And just that kind of stuff of like, what, have, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you learning? What's God teaching you in your life? Yeah. Are you processing that in your group? Are you pulling people along? He's like, dude, we got to get lunch. Cause I have like this thought on my mind. I've got to, I got to get out, you know, whatever <laughs> that to me is what it looks like to never learn alone. And even I'll give one more example. Um, I'll shout out to Joe Nealis. He was my summer intern at the Henrietta campus uh, this past summer, an amazing guy. And he, he and I have stayed in touch and we're, we always use the voice message thing on um, iMessage where you can send a recording of your voice. It's like sending a voicemail. It's awesome. It's 
a really great way to send really long messages without typing. And anyway, we're just like, both of us are learning things and he'll send me like a three minute long message. And then like, what do you think? And I'll respond and say, here's my thoughts, but what do you think? And we're just kind of like it's sharpening. It's like your love language, isn't it? Three minute messages. Like yeah. I would be like, delete, not listening. <laughs> call me, like call me on call the phone. Me, if you ever send me a three minute, whatever <laughs> message like that, just know I will not listen to it. Okay. Joe, you have been warned. All right. Don't, or I guess that's for me too. Oh, anybody okay. and everybody, <laughs> literally any humans. Okay. So anyway, I just think that's a, those are the ways it looks like for me that, um, just processing it. Don't, don't sit around and get better by yourself in this isolation cage, yeah. get better with along other. And side. I think, you know, one, one thing that I, the, one of the best and worst feelings I've ever had in my life is like, I love the word work too, as well. So tied to your topic is finding a, a guy who's been there and done that and watching him do something that takes you like four hours. <laughs> he does it in like 30 seconds I because know. he has the right tool. He's like, and the worst feeling is like, wow, I've been wasting so much time not not knowing this tool existed. But the best feeling is like, that tool exists. And it, it's like game changer. And I would right. never learn that mm. unless I, I, I worked with somebody. And I think as parents, a great way to start this is just invite your kids in the journey of you. Like yeah. when I woodwork, I make Malachi carry the wood around. <laughs> it's perfect. Like That's he awesome. loves it and mm-hmm. he just wants to be with me. That's mm-hmm. his desire. Daddy, what you doing? Daddy, what you doing? That's what he says all the time. And uh-huh. I think parents, man, invite your kids with you. When you go get gas, they want to ride, talk to them. And I think for me, like this is different for us again, Aaron, because we have different personalities. I'm not a verbal processor. So one thing that I have to learn, if you're not a verbal processor, you have to learn to share what you're learning. Hmm. I don't like to do that. I'm a quiet internal guy. And so when I come home, I'm not, I don't want to be like, babe, I found this amazing insight in scripture. I just want to sit down and relax and, and mm-hmm. decompress. And like for you, it's probably don't overshare everything that you're learning. <laughs> right. Maybe I need to chill out with the, I, I need to learn alone a little more. <laughs> yeah. So a guy like me can uh, never express the truths that God is giving to me, but a guy like you can push people away from learning because you tell them everything you're right. learning. Fire and so hose. I think we have to learn to navigate those things as as people, but man, we have to to learn and invite people into that journey. Okay, last thing I want to talk about, Aaron, and this might be the most you know controversial thing we talk about. Not really controversial, but you you mentioned Kanye in your message. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys don't know, Kanye's a, a, a pretty prominent rapper in in our culture. Um, didn't stand for a lot of the the right things. Probably none of the right things, <laughs> um, if we're being honest. Yeah. But lately, he's said that he's converted to Christianity, mm-hmm. and um, he just released an album called "Jesus Is King." I think. Yeah, Jesus is King, and there's a song "Jesus Is Lord." So I keep I keep getting it mixed up, but I'm pretty sure it's Jesus Is King. Yeah. So I mean. From what we can see, it's like, wow, man, has this guy made a change? And so you made a really powerful statement, and it it, it hit me hard where you were like, man, many Christians today are like, is this real? Is this true? Or is this just a hoax to make money? Um, but you said, man, can you imagine people today are questioning Kanye, but can you imagine what Christians felt like in Paul's day? And so I have two questions for this. Let's say you are one of those Christians that are like, man, this Kanye stuff's a bunch of baloney. Like, I don't believe it. What do you do when you are, um, you have questions about someone's faith? Your, Your judgment says no. How do you handle that? But then secondly, let's say you're Kanye and people are questioning your faith. Wow. What do you do? Yeah. Um. 
the first part, you know, if you're skeptical about someone's faith, I guess specifically with Kanye, I want to give voice to the skepticism. Like, I get it. Okay. It seems like once a year, some celebrity claims to have changed their religion and everything's going to be different. And, you know, it's all you know never going to be the same and I'm never going to swear again. And they get real hype about it and they get in the headlines for a minute and then things kind of go back to the way that they were. So I understand that this is a thing that happens. So I understand why people feel like maybe it's not legit. Um, and you could argue, I mean, Kanye is getting so many more plays and downloads on this album than he would have if it weren't surrounded by a little bit of controversy. Um, so I, I understand why skeptically it would be very easy to think this isn't legit. Okay, so that aside, I, I understand that. Justin Bieber was in the same position like 18 months ago. So, um, some things Wait, he's not a Christian. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to jump to any conclusions. Um, but some things just related to Kanye that are promising in my opinion is one, he didn't place his faith in Christ in some massive church that everybody's heard of with a celebrity pastor. You know, this was a really small church with a pastor that nobody had heard of. So I think that's that's kind of to me personally, that's a decent hint. Like he wasn't he wasn't making a big scene. He wasn't calling reporters and I'll be at this church at this time, whatever. So it kind of happened on the down low. And then he has continued to meet with this guy. Um, even though Kanye has recently moved to Texas, he's been flying back once a week to meet with this guy for a while. You know, it's been kind of like, hmm, intriguing. And um, then also there's the fact that while he was recording this album, again, you can take this for what it is. It could just be a guy who's a little over eager. But at the moment, all the artists who worked on this album with him, he like had some requirements that they like almost like live something of a moral lifestyle where they had to be committed to just this, this project and not other ones that were doing inappropriate things. They had to abstain from premarital sex. There was like quite a few things that he was imposing. Now, again, who knows? He could just be a, being a Pharisee and trying to like go hardcore in order to get headlines. But the point is there are some signs that potentially this has more legitimacy than just like, yo, what up? I love Jesus. And then moving on. Mm -hmm. Like, so don't you think time in the, in this journey is your friend? Oh my word. Know? Yes. And that's when it comes down to it, that's kind of the advice that I'm feeling like I'm giving myself is I'm, I don't want to be an extreme. I don't want to go so pro Kanye that I put God's reputation on the line where like, that's good. you know how I know that God is amazing because Kanye is a Christian. And then I like try to prove to the world that this is the only evidence they'll ever need that God is amazing. And then Kanye go back to his old lifestyle and they're like, oh yeah, remember when your God was awesome? Okay, just kidding. So I never want to put God's reputation on the line for any believer, uh, for me, for you, for right. anybody. Like, I don't want you to have to wait to see if I live out my life till I die in a way that pleases God to prove whether or not God is what he says he is. I think we carry the name of Christ. We we represent God in the world. And so we want to be good ambassadors, but we are always going to be at the very best imperfect represent, representatives of God. So I don't want to put God's reputation on the line. I don't want to be like, I yes, 100% to Kanye and 100% to anybody else who claims to be a Christian because our God is amazing and he's done that. Although I do believe that our God is amazing and I think he might've done that. Right. And, <laughs> so. and Kanye's story is just, all of our stories. If it's real, mm -hmm. guess what? I, I think we like to blow up the fact that, wow, this guy was worse than anybody else. Mm -hmm. No, wrong. That's a, a major misconception we all believe is Kanye was the same as us. Yes. We're all sinners, wretched, poor, ugly sinners. And guess what? 
God redeemed us all. Yeah. So his story is just the same as ours. Salvation is a miracle in every circumstance. It's an equal miracle yes. in every circumstance. Now, sometimes the, tr- the change is more dramatic or less dramatic, but it's still a work of God. It's still supernatural. Yep. And so uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go to the extreme of saying like, yes, God's reputation is on the line in, in the case of Kanye, because I don't want, I don't want Kanye to eventually revert and God look bad. But at the same time, I don't want to be super skeptical um, because I think with any person who places their faith in Christ, I want to lead with I'm going to take them at their word. I'm going to take them at their word. If they if they're saying they're a Christ follower, great. I can I can say I'm happy to hear that. I would love to see that they're taking steps, and I'm optimistic that that could be the case. I don't want to lead with skepticism. I want to lead with belief and take them at their word, and then let the fruit of their life and time be my friend. I don't need to be talking about this so constantly that like he's under the microscope. Um, I just want to. I mean, I I saw something the other day that was like aren't we praying for this? Like, aren't we, wouldn't we be wanting to see cultural movers and shakers coming to place their faith in Christ? Mm. So why would our first response be, no, you can't be on our team. Do you know what he was like? It's like, uh, we. I think we should be kind of cautiously optimistic. Like, cause we don't want to, again, we don't want to go to level 10 and make him in his first month have to be everything that Christianity needs in hip hop culture. But we do want to say this is promising. You know, yeah. a decade from now, we could be telling some really cool stories and I'm praying toward that end. That's right. Um, so anyway, I, those are some of my thoughts. I think when, with any person who places their faith in Christ, who has a, a checkered past, I think our first response should be take them at their word, lead with belief, be praying for them. And if you're close and in touch with this person, do everything you can to disciple them and grow. If you're far and removed from this person, like all of us are from Kanye, let's be honest, we'll never meet him. I don't think... We, we can't really do anything but pray. And the only contribution we could make to his life is positively is to pray for him and to do our best to not be a cynical jerk. Mm. Like we don't need to be part of the Christians who have, or like taking to Twitter to, to tear him apart. Like we're not helping him. We're not helping anybody. Like you don't know Kanye, just pray for him and chill out. <laughs> that's great. That's, I don't know. That's good I'm, stuff. Maybe Aaron. I'm just Okay, let's go, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side of that. What if you are Kanye? You know, mm. quickly, what would you do if you're you're the one being judged on based on your faith? My first response would be, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it is that it seems like you have to prove yourself 100%. You, ha- you have to all of a sudden go from zero to a thousand in order to prove to Christianity that you're legit. That's not fair. That's not cool. Um, if it were me, I would not feel like you need to process this publicly. Like, uh, the rejection that you feel from Christians and the rejection that you feel from your, you know, your former crew, I, to me, I would say, find a trusted group of Christians and begin to process your faith. Um, not privately, like don't tell anyone, but just know that like, you can take a social media hiatus. You can sort of take a break from some of the pressure that you're going to feel because none of us needs to learn to walk in front of the world. You know what I mean? Like you're a baby Christian, you're learning to crawl, you're learning to walk. Nobody want, nobody should do that on national television. Like you, do, you don't need that pressure. So for a new believer, I would just say like, you don't, you don't need to feel like every person who ever comes across your path needs to have a voice into whether or not you're legit. Mm-hmm. Your relationship is with God. You are accepted in the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ, not on your own works, but by his grace and his death, burial, and resurrection on your behalf. And so if that's legit, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then you're part of the family of God and allow the people who know you best to walk along with you in that and shut out the noise. <laughs> yeah. Find a local church, get plugged in, allow them to disciple you, walk with you. I think that's that's good stuff. Good conversation, man. What a 
Great job this weekend. Appreciate you, Aaron. And we will continue the dialogue uh, next week as we jump into week five of the series, Paul. Oh, 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 oh,